We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. What's going on, everyone? It's 2023, the New Year's. And on today's episode, I'm going to take a look back on my five favorite guest appearances from BuzzBeat. And you will get about a five-minute clip of each one of these guests, and they're all going to be compiled together. I know that if you're a longtime listener of BuzzBeat, maybe you've already heard these interviews or maybe you've heard a little bit of them, but I know that we have some new listeners that haven't had the chance to go back and listen to some of these. So you're going to get episode clips from Ashley Shamity, PJ Washington, Clint Parks, Eddie Robinson, and Jordan Surenkamp. Also, if you're a BuzzBeat Plus subscriber, you will get a second episode today. It's a New Year's resolutions pod with Brian and Spencer. If you aren't a BuzzBeat Plus subscriber, you will have to wait until Monday to get your hands on that. So without further ado, let's jump in and take a listen to some of my favorite clips from 2022. I've always wondered this about you and your staff because it is a G League. How do you guys prioritize like winning versus player development? Because I'm sure there's some kind of balance there. Yeah, you know, I think that's an extremely important piece to it. And as a first year head coach doing it, uh, it opens your eyes a little bit. And there's a lot that you have to take into consideration. But I think the most important piece to all of that is having a strong and direct line of communication with the the front office, you know, Mitch Kupchak. Buzz Peterson, Dave Duquette, Larry Jordan, all of all of the decision makers here in Charlotte. Uh, and, you know, sitting down with them, coming out with a clear plan of what the expectations are in Greensboro. Uh, you know, when it comes to individuals looking at players that may spend time there, what their goals are, um, what they're expecting to get out of it um, from their standpoint, and just really just building a plan that's um, based on clarity and understanding. And, you know, this organization does a really, really good job of that. You know, you've seen it in years past, even with the Devontae Grams, the Martin twins, Jalen McDaniels, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, Kai Jones, JT Thor, James Booknight last year. Um, you know, there's there's been success through this process and something that the organization really believes in. So, you know, just having a, a clear understanding of kind of what the expectations are um, and going from there. And then as a head coach, you know, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm out there to win every single game. 
And, you know, the way that we taught it was we think that the idea of development um, is something that coincides with winning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have your learning curves very early on. There's a lot of young guys at that level that are still learning how to play the professional game. Um, but as you go throughout the season, you start to see them develop and grow. And as that happens, you start to see the successes and the victories and the other things that come along with it. Now, this might be difficult to answer because you're not a player, you're a coach. But how hard do you think it is for a player that's probably expecting to see some minutes in Charlotte and then he's sent to Greensboro and have to kind of readjust his mindset and still play within your team concepts, even if it's just for a handful of games? Like, do you think that like a James Booknight, for example, like he probably was mm -hmm. expecting to see a little bit more time in Charlotte. How difficult do you think that is? You know, it's it's obviously not an easy thing because everybody wants to be here in Charlotte playing 30 minutes a night. But the reality is with the with the group that we were putting on the floor last year, you know, you have to find opportunities um, wherever you can find them. And for example, uh, someone like a book night, right. His, his opportunities for that time were in Greensboro. And those were, you know, direct conversations we had with him. Again, it goes back to the clarity and showing that there's a plan in place. Um, and, and, you know, guys like that and that want to get better and want to be great embrace that. And I think you've seen over the last you know, however many years, not just in this organization, but around the league that there's been a lot of really good stories of guys who have went and played in the G league for a year or two. And now are making, you know, names for themselves night in and night out at the NBA level. So, um, it's all about the buy-in, not just from the organization side, but the player side. And, you know, for someone like book, like a Kai Jones, a JT, you know, the opportunity to come to Greensboro and play 30, 35 minutes a night to really grow their game in those minutes, to be able to, you know, do the things that we want them to do night in and night out, but then also um, try new things or find things they may not necessarily be as comfortable with doing, you know, on an NBA floor, they have that opportunity to do it in Greensboro with us. So it's a way for them to learn. Um, it's a way for us to continue to teach. And then, you know, the, my goal again, as a head coach in Greensboro is to try to keep things as consistent as what they are in Charlotte. So when book and those guys came last year, the terminology is the same. The things we run offensively and defensively are the same. So it made it very easy for them to transition back and forth and feel comfortable when they're on both floors. Speaking of the terminology, because you just made me think of a question, how much has it changed from Borrego to, to Clifford? Is it, is it, they always say it's, it's very similar from head coach to head coach, but it, does it feel like a drastic change at all? Uh, no, not necessarily. And that's something, honestly, we're still working through. Right. Um, one thing about coach Clifford, that's awesome is he's, um, willing to learn just as much as anybody else is. So, you know, I think that's one of the things that we found successful in summer league, not just from evaluating players and giving them the opportunity to play, but also looking at, you know, what things we did that we liked and didn't like and things that we may want to try and things we may want to adjust and tweak. And, you know, he's been in the league long enough now that he's going to have the things that he wants to do night in and night out as well. So it's been a learning curve for all of us, a growing opportunity for all of us. Um, again, he's been very clear, um, and very direct on the kind of the things that he likes and doesn't like. And, um, so again, with any new staff, any new coach, there's always going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but with a guy like, you know, coach Clifford and his ability to communicate, it's been really easy so far. Very good. So you had the opportunity to coach in Vegas, like we've been mentioning, you know, I know that the players in Vegas probably are a little bit more talented than maybe, uh, overall, like in the G league level, but how did that experience compare to the experience last year in Greensboro? <laughs> Uh, it was definitely different, but it, it, it felt the same at the same time. I actually told our staff going into our first game that I finally was able to feel how much Greensboro prepared me leading into that first game. Cause there's a lot of coaches that for the first time in their lives, their first opportunity of being a head coach is in summer league. And I had just had the last season of doing it as a head coach. 
um, to prepare me for this. So as we went into training camp, as I was able to talk to coach Clifford, pr uh, preparing practices, what things I want to touch on, how I want to teach things, um, all of those things I felt way more comfortable in and then getting into the game, even, you know, standing on the sideline, substitution stuff, talking during timeouts, the little things that you really don't think about until you're really in that position, uh, felt a little bit more natural to me, but then, you know, just again, to be able to do it with the level of player and the, and the competition levels and things like that was, was definitely a challenge as well. Um, and just doing it in such a short period of time, it made it fun. You know, you only have about a week to really prepare these guys for games. So, um, you know, picking and choosing what's important and what you prioritize. But again, it's, it was an awesome experience and something I can't thank the organization enough for. I felt like in that two week period, three week period that I was uh, a part of this, you know, with my staff, we were able to, to really grow, uh, challenge one another. And again, continue to get better, not just from a player standpoint, but from a coach's standpoint as well. All right. To end the episode here, I want to throw a few players your way that you've worked with. And I just kind of want your quick evaluation of that player and what they do best. Let, let's start with sure. JT Thor. Uh, he didn't play a ton in, in Greensboro last year, but you saw him for five games in summer league. I think many people know him as like a defensive first guy, a young, a young guy that has you know plenty of room to grow. But what has been your overall impression of him? Uh, his versatility on both sides of the floor is, is really impressive. Like what he's able to do. Um, and it's only the beginning for him. His ceiling is really high. Obviously you brought up the defensive side of the ball. He can switch, he can defend multiple positions, but offensively, you know, having confidence in his shot and his ability to shoot the ball, uh, his ability to handle it a little bit in the open floor, uh, just his overall versatility, I think is, is really impressive and, and something that's really promising for this organization as we move forward. But, you know, aside from that, you know, JT has been in the gym every single day since summer leagues ended. And he's one of the hardest workers in this organization. You know, he, I think, you know, he sees the opportunity and he's really, really excited for, you know, trying to make a name for himself even more as we go into training camp. And he's putting in the work every day to try to do that. All right, next we're going to go to Kai Jones. It was interesting with Kai Jones because the first two games in Summer League, he played primarily the four. And then the last three games, he played primarily the five. And I, I personally think he's probably better suited to play the five next to someone that can kind of space the floor. But I guess sure. I, I kind of want your overall like debate on the four versus five, but also just kind of his overall game. Yeah. I, I think again, Kai's athleticism, his length, um, his spirit and energy, um, is a very undervalued thing. Uh, even at this level, you know, he raises the level of the energy in the room when he walks every room he walks into. And I think that's awesome. Again, very similar to JT, a very hard worker. Um, and yeah, he can do different things. You know, he wants to expand his game. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you do in summer league is it gives you the opportunity to try new things or to try to see what pieces fit where and with who. Um, so we were able to do that a little bit with Kai um, as a good example of that even with JT a little bit playing the three, you know, that's not necessarily the position we saw them in last year naturally, but it was a good opportunity for them to, um, you know, expand a little bit in their own sense when they were playing against other competitions. So, uh, you know, his ability, I think as a five to screen appropriately, to put pressure on the rim as a lob threat. Uh, he's one of the most athletic rim runners and transition runners that I've seen in a long time. Um, and I think that's a really, really exciting feature to have with him, whether he's at the four or the five, you know, he can do that in any capacity. Um, and then when you think about the excitement of having a guy like LaMelo ball with the ball in his hands, you know, Kai, um, there's a really exciting piece that can add to that defensively. He can protect the rim. Um, he can switch, he can guard. So he can do a little bit of everything as well. Um, and you know, as we, as we get into training camp, whether it's the four, whether it's the five, 
whatever it is for Kai, um, that's something we'll continue to evaluate and look at as an organization, just kind of see where he fits best. But again, I think summer league was a really good interpretation of kind of what we were thinking in both worlds. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You jumped around a lot during your collegiate days, but your last stop before the NBA was Central Oklahoma. Considering that was like a small school, did you ever think that playing in the NBA was just going to be too hard to kind of put your name on the map and have teams recognize you? Like, What, what were your thoughts playing at Central Oklahoma, trying to put your, your name on the map? Because I think well, the year prior, didn't you declare for the NBA, but you went undrafted? That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna tell you about. So in '97, when I when I met the first school I went to was Trinity Valley. Okay, Trinity Valley in Athens, Texas. That was the first school I went to. So uh, Rod Falasta, it was in Flint. You know, scouting, looking for players, and he ran across me and Pruitt. Pruitt Allen was his. He was the number two guard in the country at the time out of Central High School, and uh, we were a package deal. So me and him went together to Trinity Valley. Coach Velasca, um, he was transferring at the end of the year. So I was trying to, you know, continue my relationship and follow him. So he never, I don't think he ended up getting a job that next, that following year. So I ended up going to Brown Mackey. Now, when I went to Brown Mackey, and this is in Salina, Kansas, population 20. (laughs) So this is a small town. Like, 
our school, it was a business school, right? And, we, and it's like in this plaza and it's next to like a shoe store. So I remember the first day I'm trying to find a school. I'm like, coach, I'm, I can't find a school. And then I, I walked past it 50 times and didn't recognize that, oh, this is the school. So it's not, it's not like a campus. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just a, it's just a building with classrooms and it's a business school. So <laughs> end up, end up getting a lot of, a lot of that's when that's when a lot of the pro scouts was coming to my games when I was in Salina, Kansas. So I had created I had created that buzz my sophomore year in college. And what was crazy is the and the reason I put my name in the draft is because at the time the Spurs had showed great interest in me and, and was telling my coach, which was Coach Flax, Francis Flax. You know, shout out to him. That's you know he he gave me a chance and took a chance in bringing me in and giving me a full ride and things like that. And, um, you know, he, me and him had a great relationship and we still do to this day, like as of right now. So, you know, he was like, man, the Spurs love you. The Spurs love you. And RC Buford was the general manager at the time. So him and RC have been talking, I guess, whatever, whatever. Obviously I can't talk and have conversation with NBA general managers and I'm only a sophomore in college. So, you know, they talked and they talked and they was, he was like, man, you got a great opportunity because the Spurs are saying they'll take you second round. So I was like, well, shit, that's all I need to hear. I only need one team right. to fulfill my dream. You know what I'm saying? As long as I get one of them to bite, I figure I'm going to go take that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I've always, you know, I've always been the type of person to, when opportunity knocks on the door, I answer it. I have to answer it. I, it's nothing to think about. So I'm like, well, shit. So I ended up putting my name in a draft. They didn't draft me. And before the draft, I had I hadn't before I decided to do that, I hadn't talked to my mentor yet, which is Raymond Jones, you know, because, you know, he's guiding me. He's giving me great advice. And, you know, I, once I ran it by him, he was like, what? You ain't ready for no NBA. You just not learning how to play college ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't play high school ball. So I was four years behind when I got to college. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm like, no, nah, coach. I'm like, no, nah, Ray, no. Nah. They they saying this, they saying that. So I, I'm not sure if him and R.C. Buford ever had a conversation or not. Like, I, like, I don't know that. But, you know, I was I was focused and determined and, and, and trying to make it happen my sophomore year in college. You know what I'm saying? After only playing two, you know, two years of, back, of college, of junior college, you know? Yeah. And... He was like, you're not, you're not ready to face grown men. You know, there's those, those grown men in the NBA. You know, you, you got to work with your body. You, you got to get stronger. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to learn this. You got to learn that. So after taking into consideration of what he was telling me, which, you know, he hasn't been wrong about anything this far, right? So I was like, all right, man. All right. So I sent my letter in to take my name out. You know, you have a certain you have a certain time limit to declare your name out of the draft, right? So, and I didn't have an agent, right, right. Ever signed an agent, right? So, I put my, so I sent my letter in, and I'm, I'm I was assuming David Stern got my letter, and so I missed the draft. Like I watched the first, I, I watched the first round of the draft, and then and then I just stopped watching, right? Because I mean, there was no no reason to me to watch the second round because I'm assuming my name is not in there. So I pick up the paper the next day. <laughs> I pick up the newspaper the next day just to kind of like see where players went in the draft, right? So I'm, I'm okay, such and such we're here, such yeah. and such we're here. 
Second round players, boom, 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 boom. Players not drafted. And I saw my name. And I was like, huh. you know, I saw my name and I was like, wait a minute. I'm not even supposed to be in this draft. So end up contacted David Stern. He gave me the runaround about how no, I didn't receive no letter from you and <laughs> and all this stuff. And and you know, we we had words and 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 then he was like, Well, just just go back to school. That's just the best thing you can do. Just go back to school. And then I was like, Okay, so I was like, I got some D one offers. Am I able to go? No, you can't go D one. You can't go D one. You, you you blew that opportunity when you put your name in a draft. And, and that's what he told me. And, and to this day, I don't even know if that's true or not because I didn't sign the agent. So right. I'm thinking to myself, well, shit, I got to go D2 now, which wasn't a problem because I've already created the buzz. <laughs> the scouts know about me, so it, it doesn't matter what school I go to at this point. I could have went D12. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered because I've already been – Pro, you know, professionally scouted by these NBA scouts. I've seen them at my games. You know what I'm saying? So that really wasn't a big concern. Of, that wasn't a big concern of mine, you know, go, you know, as far as making that next step as to what I was going to do basketball wise, as far as what school I was going to go to. So University of Central Oklahoma was my next stop, which was probably five hours down the road. You know, it was close. It was right there. So I was like, you know, I decided to go to Central Oklahoma and you know, and and I love my two years there. You know, I had I had great experiences. My coaches was great. I, um, they're still teammates from every college that I played with, mm-hmm. played for. That you know, I still communicate with. So you know, I've, I've, I've you know gained new friends, and so yeah, that you know the college experience was great for me. So yeah, I ended up going to Central Oklahoma for two years. And here's the crazy part. <laughs> here's the crazy part. Okay, now. I put my name in the draft, right, in 97, so I went undrafted. I never had an agent, so I was able to go back to school. So so once I once I picked who know who my agent was, right, which was James Bryan out of ProServe, he had Avery Johnson, Danielle Marshall, um, Antonio McDice. Mm. Those are just the names I know right off bat, right? Yeah. So I ended up signing with him and um, – he got to doing some research and he called me. He was like, man, you not going to believe this. I'm like, what, what? As soon as you're done playing, as soon as you play your last collegiate game, you're an automatic NBA free agent. Huh. Because I because I went, you know, because of what happened with the draft situation, right? So I was like, what? So, so now what happens is as soon as I'm done playing my college career, as soon as I play that last game, I'm an automatic NBA restricted free agent. So I went to the Knicks. I went to my first NBA workout because I was the only guy able to, you know, move around and and, and train for NBA teams. Other players can do that because they had to finish school and finish their season. Cause you know, they were in the, you know, they were in the, you know, the college, the college tournament. I was the only kid (laughs) doing NBA workouts after a college season. So the Knicks was my first stop. And they were playing the Miami Heat in the playoffs. So here's here's me. I go from Central Oklahoma playing my last college game to boom NBA free agent. Boom on the road traveling. Go to Oklahoma to New York. 
I'm in New York at the playoff game. So my first co- my first NBA game experience is the fucking playoffs. And it, you know what I'm saying? So I was, man, that was, and you know, at the garden of all places, the Mecca of basketball, the garden, uh, you know, that, that blew my mind. I was like, wow. Like it, it happened so fast. Like, and man, that was that was the greatest that was the greatest experience ever. You know, just just going from college to boom, right to the pros, and, and not not have to wait until the summer to do my pro workouts. I, I get to start up now. I get to have an advantage of being seen before any other college player is going to be seen. And I went to the Knicks, and what's crazy is the Knicks were going to sign me. So just imagine, I could have played my last college game. And went right to the NBA playoffs and, and been on the NBA roster. So what I ran into and what I ended up running into was, okay, in order for this to work, they would have to cut a veteran. And that veteran would have been David Wingate. Hmm. How long have you been working with Jalen? Started working with Jalen um, um, a lot consistently when he got to San Diego State because I was down here. One of my very best friends, um, he trained Jalen a lot in high school, and he was in Seattle. And so when he moved down here to San Diego State, obviously I knew Jalen when he was in high school. I spent some time in Tacoma, um, coaching at Tacoma Community College. Uh, so I was familiar with him as well. And then when he came down to San Diego State, we really, like, started getting after it a lot. A lot, a lot. So it's been a while. It's been a few years, and it's been good to carry it on through his professional career as well. Well, that's good that he, he keeps coming back to you. And uh, he's one of those players that's slowly becoming a fan favorite here in Charlotte. I've always been a believer in his game just because of the little things that he does. Like, he can get easy buckets in transition. He crashes the offensive glass pretty well. And defensively, he's got tons of versatility. I've always wondered when it comes to a player like Jalen, how much of your time as a trainer is spent on like enhancing and just building up what he already does so well versus trying to incorporate new stuff into his game? Is it a 50-50 split? Do you lean one way or the other? That's actually a really, really good question. One of the best questions I've had been asked on the podcast because I always tell people, number one, the biggest mistake trainers can make is forgetting that coaches control playing time, yeah. not trainers, not, not agents, not advisors, anybody. Coaches do. So you got to master what the coach wants you to do, what the coach wants you to do. What's going to get you on the floor? No, first and foremost, you got to be, you got to be really, 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 really good at what the coach wants you to be good at because ultimately that's what's going to get you on the floor. And then you go from there, you're going to expand. So we're working every day, you know, Jalen has to shoot the ball better from the corners. That's something the numbers have shown that he didn't shoot the ball, shot the ball like thirty eight percent, but from three this year, which is not bad. I would like him to be at about forty, forty above four eight. But thirty thirty eight is pretty that's that's above serviceable. So, um, yeah, but from the corners he's only thirty four. So you gotta be the thirty eight, the forty range from the corners or the highest at the corners at least because it's the closest shot, closest NBA three. So you gotta be deadly from the corners. Like he'd be really, he'd be like automatic from the corner. But I want to see him personally. Uh, next step for him is being able to put the ball on the ground when he drives, play through, play through contact, 
um, be a physical ball handler, just have better command of the ball, all those things. You know, his jumper's come a long way since he's come to the league. Wasn't a really good three, wasn't a good three point shooter in college. Didn't shoot a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a really good mid range shooter. Obviously, some teams don't believe in the mid range in the NBA. So I think that I think so. You gotta always know that. But I just think that you know, gotta continue to shoot the ball well. Um, or on the all catch shoot catch and shoot from all all over the court threes wise. But just expanding what as far as expanding, just being able to put the ball on the ground better. Ball create, I call it ball creativity. You know, being able to just make plays for yourself late the shot clock if you do get thrown the ball and Terry or Mello or whoever is in a weird position. Now there's six, seven seconds left on the shot clock. You're comfortable to go make a play. And I say make a play, but that's either for yourself or for a teammate. So we've done a, we've done a lot of both this year. You know, obviously continuing to do what he does well. And he plays off of stars so well. He knows how to play. You know, he plays winning basketball. He plays both ends. He plays defense. And so, for me, really, it's just the next step is being able to handle the ball. Because now he can handle the ball, now he unlocks a whole another part of his game. Yeah. Switching it over to the offensive side of the court, we've seen more three-point attempts from you this season. And we've also seen a shift where you're getting those looks from. I'm sure you're aware that you've seen less time in the corners this year and you're getting more looks at the top of the key. Is that just because you're finding yourself in those spots more like trailing as a big and that just happens to be your role or is there something more to it? I think um, definitely uh, we play a lot of five out and when I'm at the, at the five, I think I get a lot of tri- a lot more trail three. So I'm not really in the corners a lot when I'm, when I'm playing a five. So that's where most of my threes come from. I think for me it's just an adjustment. just, being able to right now shot from anywhere on the court. So, um, obviously, in my, in my first few years, I was in, in the corner of the last shooting a lot more threes there. So, Ray is just, like I said, being able to shoot anywhere on the floor. I, I know you've admitted this before, but one of your goals has been to be a better finisher at the rim. This year, it might not be where you want it to be, but you've definitely improved. You're shooting 68% within four feet of the hoop. How much of like the finishing at the rim is a mental thing versus like a physical thing? And are you able to practice, you know, finishing at the rim as much as you would like? I think it's definitely uh, a mental thing for me because I feel like I have the athletic ability to finish at the rim um, and I've been touching everything. So for me, it's just being able to mentally, uh, you know, kind of have to just slow down my mind and just go in there and just be confident going up uh, each and every time I do go in there. So for me, I feel like I've done a lot better job this year. Um, Obviously, there's still room for improvement, and I'm just excited my numbers are going up and uh, starting to fall around the rim. All right, let, let's talk about this last push for the play-in slash playoffs. You guys have less than 20 games left, which is kind of crazy to think about how quickly this season has gone by. But, like, what is the top focal point for you guys to make sure that you finish maybe 7th or 8th compared to maybe 10th or 9th? You know, what what is it that one thing that if you do this well, you'll probably put yourself in a good position? Yeah, defensive rebounding. And also, uh, I think we can't overlook anybody. We have to look at every game as if the last game I've done that. It, you know what I'm saying? We need that game. So, first, I feel like we've been doing a great job since All-Star Brings the locking in and focusing uh, on everybody we're playing. So, we just have to keep that up and the defensive rebound and late game situations and close our game. So, we'll be fine.
and they were describing Terry Rozier, who had just like rolled his ankle. And this was in the second game of the season. So this is going oh, back, wow. back even farther. And basically he was talking about his toughness. And so here it is. He's describing Terry Rozier's toughness. He had the best trainer in the business, Joe Sharp. Over at 10 and 20, just, hey, just laced up some pumas a little tighter. And look at Terry's walking away from Joe. Tougher than a alley cat. This has not been his homecoming that he expected. All right, so this is true or false. Tougher than a blank alley cat. True or false. Did he say tougher than a one-eared alley cat? True. That that is true. <laughs> ding ding ding. Yeah. Now would tougher you, than a one year dollar cat. Would you have gotten that without? Than, yes, I did know that one. He does say that one quite a bit, and then also tougher than uh, tortoise toenails, which is kind of <laughs> disgusting, but also one of our favorites that he uses. But the one year dollar cat one, I feel like he uses the most. <laughs> or tougher than Wallace Crystal. Yes. Wallace, yes. Wallace, so yeah. yeah. Uh, that's another one, but. The tortoise toenails and the one-eared alley cat stuck in my brain forever. <laughs> All right. Two more questions. You're four for four, so you've already met the standard here. And this one was actually not about a hornet. It was about the uh, the grizzly Stephen Adams before he was going to the free throw line. And same thing, <laughs> they were discussing him as a tough player. And it's funny, you actually had a story right after he went to the line. Yes. And, and you were talking yes. about how he was voted by the players as one of the dirtiest players. Mm-hmm. And so okay. here is um, Eric Collins describing Stephen Adams. He stepped on Richard's with his left foot and then again on the, with the right. He gargles. Mm. All right, so Steven Adams has missed two free throws in a row. Uh-oh, all is lost with the Adams family. Let's check in with Ashley. All right, let's check in with Ashley. Um, he gargles. He gargles. Gargles blank. This is multiple choice, or do you, do you think you know it without the multiple choice? I might know it. I think I do, but I could be totally wrong. Um, I think it's he gargled thumbtacks. Oh my goodness. You are correct again. Yes. Okay. I knew it was like nails or like, I don't know what, but yeah, thumbtacks. Okay. (laughs) Maybe the multiple choice would have like given you pause because I had thumbtacks, box cutters, fishing hooks, and safety pins. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah, because I, I literally like hear him saying it as you're. It's very impressive that you went back and got all these clips. This I'm not even allowed. this actually <laughs> took me a lot of time. I will say, yeah. I will say that I did not watch most of the Boston game because I was doing this. So I'm gonna have to rewatch that Boston oh. game later. But this was worth it. This was worth it. I, I'm just laughing at. You know what? We need to borrow this. Can we put this on our pregame show? Do it. <laughs> fill, fill, like, this is awesome. Fill, fill in the blank. Yeah. Last, yeah, last one. This this one is like the most clever of them all in the sense that like not a lot of people get it right away in the sense that like it kind of has like a, a wittiness to it. Now, this is a throwback. Okay. This is actually from last year, January 2nd of last year. It was a game between the Hornets and Sixers. Embiid was complaining to the refs. Eric and Dell were just shown like a replay of Hayward kind of using his offhand to create some, you know, some space. And Embiid just mm-hmm. kind of flops and tumbles over. And Eric Collins is just kind of like flabbergasted that he, a big guy, could be falling <laughs> over uh, after after Hayward. So I don't know if you'll get this one. And I actually didn't make this true or false or multiple choice. Uh, but okay. here is the last one. Oh, oh man. Come on. He's going to get a letter from the league for that. Uh, weaker than a pack of a in the ocean. 
There's no way he falls down in that contest. Weaker than a pack of blank in the ocean. Oh, man. He doesn't use that one often. No, I, I actually don't really remember this one, uh, but I was able to somehow find it. And I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know if he's used it often. Yeah, I think like it's going to fun for this. Okay, weaker than a pack of something in the ocean. Oh, oh, wait. I know he's used, I don't think this is the answer, but I know he's used like a tea bag in the ocean. Um, but I don't know. If I'll it's- accept it. It's He says a pack of iced tea. Oh, okay, it is. Okay, yeah. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.